Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jeannie Stevens. I am one of the lead pastors here, and I am excited to dive into our third week as we are looking at a life of willing over wanting. And we're going to specifically look at how do we take radical responsibility in our relationships. And I'm excited to dive into this with each of you here today and those of you that are watching online and perhaps even those of you that are listening to our podcast later. As I was studying and preparing for today, I actually came across a story of a woman. Uh, she's from Australia. Her name is Bronnie Ware. And Bronnie actually was a hospice nurse. She worked in hospice care for a number of years, and her role was to actually sit with the terminally ill in the last weeks and days and hours of their life. Well, Bonnie did this for a number of years, and over the years, she started to ask her patients the same simple question. And this was the question that she asked them. She asked them, do you have any regrets? Do you have any regrets? And after asking that question over a number of years, Bronnie actually began to notice some patterns. She actually began to notice some themes in the way that her patients answered this question. And so she decided she was going to take those themes, take those patterns, and she was going to write an article about it. And so Bronnie wrote this article, and the article was called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Well, she wrote this article, and the article went viral. It started going all over. This was written in 2009. So people contacted Bronnie, and they said, Bronnie, your findings are so insightful. We want you to come and give a TED Talk. And so they asked Bronnie to do a TED Talk on this. They eventually asked her to write a book. The book sold over a million copies. It has been translated into 29 different languages. Are you curious about the five things that Bronnie discovered? The five things that Bronnie discovered as she sat with her patients over a series of many years and asked them the same simple question, do you have any regrets? These are the five things that people said. The first thing they said is that they wish they had had the courage to live a life true to themselves. That they wished they had had the courage to live a life true to themselves, not the life that other people expected them to live. The second regret was that they wished they hadn't worked so hard. A whole bunch of people are texting their boss right now saying, I'm taking a personal day tomorrow, right? The third thing that she discovered was that people had said that they had wished that they had actually had the courage to express their feelings throughout their life. That they had the courage to express their feelings. The force was that they wished they had stayed in better connection, closer touch to the people that most mattered in their life. And the fifth was that they wished they had actually let themselves be these were the five themes that she noticed after talking to hundreds and hundreds of patients over many years. And what's so fascinating to me about Bronnie's findings is that every single one of these regrets is found in the tension of wanting over willing. Mm 
aren't they? Every one of these regrets is actually buried in the tension of living a life of wants or living a life of willingness. You see, wanting and willing have been in a never-ending war for you. Wanting and willing have been in this knockdown, drag out fight for you and for me. And you see, wanting is actually fighting against you. It's fighting against you having vibrant, alive, transforming relationships with other people and with God. Wanting is fighting against you having those kinds of relationships. But willing... Willing is actually fighting for you. It is fighting for you to have vibrant, alive, transforming relationships with both God and other people. And the question I want us to wrestle with today is who's winning? Who's winning in your life? Is wanting winning in your life or is willingness winning in your life, specifically when it comes to your relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with other people. And what I find so fascinating in the patterns of the five regrets of the dying is that somehow they all stem back to our relationships with one another and our relationship with God, don't they? They all stem back to the relationships in our lives because these are the things that we want. We want to stay in connection with one another. We want joy and happiness, don't we? We want to live out our true lives and our true calling because we are our true self. And these are the determining ingredients between a good relationship and a great relationship. I imagine there is not a person in this room or a person watching online, a person listening to this podcast that wouldn't say, I want great relationships. Rose, do you want great relationships in your life? You do, you do. Amy, do you want great relationships in your life? Bree, do you want great relationships in your life? You, you do. Do you all want great relationships in your life? Yes. You do. So do I. I don't want just good relationships. I want great relationships. You know, I don't think there has ever been a person that has said this sentence. I actually want to get to the end of my life, and my hope and my dream is that I have a whole bunch of mediocre relationships. (laughs) No one has ever said that. No one has ever said, I hope that the most important relationships in my life will end fractured because of poor communication and a lack of trust. No one has ever said that, have they? No one has ever said, what I'm going for in this lifetime is basically a lifetime of compounded conflicts that are never resolved, where I have unexpressed feelings and basically never experience vulnerability and intimacy with other people. No one has ever set out to make that their life mission. None of us wants that. But I imagine every one of us in this room has a desire for a stronger relationship with another person. But every one of us in this room looks out at our own relational landscape and we can probably say, man, there are some friendships that I wish were stronger. 
or, or there's some work relationships where I feel like they are just kind of hanging in the balance. There are some important relationships in my life, and if I were to be really honest, those relationships really don't honor God. See, I, I imagine every single one of us has some wants when it comes to the relational landscape of our lives. And the question today is, are you willing to do the work to make that happen? Are you willing to do the work to make that happen? Are you willing to do what it takes to form the relationships that you most want? And what's amazing to me is that you're not the only person that wants this for you. You see, God wants this for you more than you want this for you. God longs for us to have relationships that are alive and vibrant and transforming and fulfilling where we are becoming more and more of who God created us to be. But how do you find those relationships? And not only how do you find them, how do you form them? Because I think for many of us, when we look at our lives and, and when we think about our lives, and, and if we've ever walked into a season where our life feels a little bit like this cup, where we feel a little bit dry, or, or we feel a little bit empty, or perhaps we feel a little bit brittle in our life, our first thought is often this thought, I know what's missing, I just need to find somebody that will fill my cup. I just need to find somebody that's going to come along and they're going to just faithfully pour into me so I don't have to feel that feeling anymore, right? We, we all have that tendency. I just want somebody that's willing to fill my cup. But the problem is, is when you go back to that relationship or you go back to that person and, and, you, and you're hoping that they're going to do the same thing. And this time they don't. And, and this time they got nothing for you. And, and the last time you were together, they prayed for you. <laughs> they're not praying for you this time. Or, or the last time you had this great feeling when you left. And, and now there's nothing coming in. You see, when we view relationships and we look for people to fill us up, what we're doing is we're looking for what we get out of the relationship. And we want people that pour into us so that we get something out of the relationship. But God said that's not how community works. That's actually not how relationships work. That's actually how God did not design us to be in relationship with one another. You see, if you have forgotten, in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.26 says that, that God said, let us us, meaning the Trinity, so there's a relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit, let us make mankind in our image. Friends, we were formed from community for community. You were created out of relationship for relationship. It isn't the kind of thing where one person in the relationship is responsible for the pouring. You see, real true community, real true community doesn't just go out to find people that are just like ourselves to be in relationship. 
Real true community doesn't go out to just find people that have the exact same perspective, exact same beliefs, exact same thoughts on every single subject. Real community doesn't just go out to find people that cure our loneliness. Community isn't found, it's formed. Community isn't found. It is not something we go out and buy. I found this sweater to buy. Community isn't found. It's formed. It's formed. And when we want great relationships, the question is, are you willing to form those great relationships? When we want safe and loving community, the question is, are you willing to form safe and loving community? How about this one? When we say, I just want a great church, the question is, are you willing to form a great church, right? Community isn't found it's formed. Community, the Greek word for community is the word koinonia, and it means to pour into and to pour out. To pour into and to pour out. You see, this is actually what true community is like. It's a pouring into and a pouring out. It's a pouring into and it's a pouring out. It's a pouring into, and it's a pouring out. This is how community works. We pour into one another so we can pour out. Community fills our cup so we can empty our cup. That's what community does. It fills our cup up so that we can empty our cup. And this is our prayer, this is our desire, this is our hope of what Soul City Church is. That we would be the kind of community with one another that we are filled up, and because of that filling up, we can fill one another up. I wanna dive into a passage that I think so beautifully paints a picture of what this looks like in relationships. I want you to grab your Bible, it's under your seat, For those of you up in the balcony, it's up on the side next to you. I want you to turn to the book of Mark. It's found in the New Testament, page 813, Mark 2. We're at the very beginning of this book. Mark is the second of the Gospels in the four synoptic Gospels. And what's unique about the Gospel of Mark, different than the other three Gospels, is that Mark disproportionately focuses in on Jesus's ministry. He focuses in on Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And we most readily see that in the miracles that Jesus performs in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, Mark just skips over the birth of Jesus. Uh, He, you know, he lets Matthew, Luke, and John deal with the story of Bethlehem and the angels and the shepherds and the cute little baby. Mark goes right into the beginning of Jesus's ministry so that we see him as the son of God, the Messiah. And so Mark's gospel begins with Jesus's baptism, then Jesus ushered out into the wilderness, and then his very beginning of ministry. We're going to dive in Mark 2 starting verse 1. It says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. 
not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So what we need to know, remember I just told you, Mark begins the gospel at the front end of Jesus' ministry. So thus recorded in the gospel of Mark, Jesus had preached one time and he had healed a few people. So this is the very beginning. Jesus is not doing so bad at the very beginning, right? There is standing room only. Nobody can get in. Not a bad start after his first message. Just a few healings and people are going crazy. His messages are going viral across the internet, right? There is no room left. The passage goes on and it says some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get in to him to see Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. Then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want us to pay attention to what's going on in this story, and more specifically, what's going on with the characters inside of this story, because there are quite a few moments happening in this passage where we see the difference between wanting and willing. The the first, most obvious, is, is with Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is preaching the word, he's having this moment, and somebody else decides to put Jesus in the opportunity to decide, does he want to heal this man, or is he willing to heal this man? right? And he just showed up to preach, and then somebody put an opportunity in front of him. Does he want to do it, or is he willing to do it? The next wanting and willing moment actually happens with the paralyzed man. You think about this. The only thing that we know about him is that he can't walk. It's it's the only real fact that we know about him. We don't know if he had ever seen Jesus before. We don't know how it was that he became paralyzed. We don't even know how long he was paralyzed. But we see in this moment that he moves from wanting to willing. He didn't just want to be healed, he was willing. Because these guys came up with a plan, and that plan included him going up a ladder, being put on this mat, being lowered down into a room through the roof. (laughs) He had to be willing. He, He had to say, okay, I'm willing for you all to do this. The next moment is the four guys that come along. And and I love these guys. I love their creativity. I love their audacity. I mean, these these are my kind of people, right? Uh, I mean, they didn't just want their friend to be healed. They were willing. Nothing was going to stop them from getting their friend in front of Jesus. It didn't matter to them that there was a huge crowd. It didn't matter to them that Jesus was in the middle of giving a sermon. It didn't matter to them what the potential outcome was going to be. It didn't matter to them that there was no way in to see Jesus. They pushed through their wanting of their friend to be healed to an all-out willingness. And this is what I love about the Bible. I I love that these things are recorded. Because can you imagine that happening right now? Here I am preaching a good word, right? A good word, right? Thank you, thank you. I'm preaching a good word, and can you imagine? You look up, and there is a man that is lowered down from the ceiling. 
I guarantee you would all be grabbing your phones. You'd be taking a selfie, right? You ain't going to believe what happened at Soul City Church today. Hashtag tearing the roof off. (laughs) Hashtag literally, right? You know, I mean, can you imagine if that happened right now? You've got to picture this moment. This is a moment of willingness. It goes on in verse 6 and it says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? I love that they call him a fellow. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Now, you got to imagine, these teachers of the law, they're thinking to themselves, never think thoughts in front of Jesus again, (laughs) right? Like, they're like making a mental note. Don't think. Clear your mind if you're ever in the presence of Jesus. Verse 9, it says, which is easier, this is what Jesus says, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the guy got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all, and this amazed everyone. And the whole crowd started praising God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Of course they had never seen anything like this, right? Jesus healed a man in front of their very eyes. Of course they had never seen anything like this because you know why they had never seen anything like this? Because they were in the presence of Jesus. And when you are in the presence of Jesus, you experience things like you have never experienced things before. And that is our prayer for this place. My my prayer for this place is that when people come into this place, they have such a clear encounter with the living God that when they go home, when they get on their buses, when they get in their cars, when they walk down Racine, when they walk down Adams, they find themselves saying, I have never seen anything like this. I have never been in any place like this. I have never encountered the Spirit of God like this before. This is our prayer. We are not looking to do ordinary church. We are looking to do extraordinary church the spirit of God moves in such a way that people walk out of this place saying, I have never seen anything like this before. This is not an opportunity for you to do something good and check a spiritual box, friends. This is for you to be transformed by the spirit of the living God so that your life is never the same. And that's why those people were able to part the way and see that man walk through and say, we have never seen anything like this before. And I think they were able to say that because of the willingness present in this moment. You see, this is such a powerful picture of the difference between a life of wanting and a life of willing. And willingness was present with every single one of the people in this story. It was present with the paralyzed man. It was present with the four friends that brought the paralyzed man to see Jesus. It was present with Jesus. And had the willingness not been present, the crowd would not have seen the Messiah heal a man. 
The paralyzed man would not be walking. The Pharisees would not have had their thoughts read by the Son of God. The four men would not have experienced what I would imagine to be one of the most transformational moments of their life. And it was because of willingness. It was because of willingness. And I love how they took radical responsibility. You see, these four guys, I wish the Bible told us a little bit more about these guys. I'm so curious, what was it inside of them that said, there's no way in, but we're gonna make a way in, right? Like, did they have a meeting, right? Like, did one of them take notes? Like, like did they have a sketch of, of the room where Jesus was and, and figure out, like, how are we gonna get our friend in to see Jesus? Because at some point, somebody had to say, does anyone have a ladder? Oh, we do. Shocking. Look at this. <laughs> does anybody have a ladder, right? Oh, we, we got to lower him down from the roof. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. Lowering. I think we need some rope. Anybody have some rope? Oh, good. We do. Okay, great. Okay, we, we got to go through the roof. Anybody got a saw? Phew. <laughs> Thank goodness. We've got all of these things, right? But they had to be willing. You see, they, they actually had to be willing to use them. And if we want relationships that are vibrant and strong, relationships where we feel alive, relationships where it's not just one person pouring into us, but we're pouring into so that we can pour out. Friends, we have to put willingness to work. We have to put willingness to work. See, those guys could have just stayed wanting their friend to get healed. And they could have said, eh, I don't know. I mean, the ladder's kind of like a couple blocks down the road. I mean, that's a lot of work to go get that ladder. I, I don't know. I mean, that's going to make a big mess. We don't know how Jesus is going to respond to that. I mean, cutting a hole in the middle of his sermon, that might get noisy. That might get loud. What if we drop the guy? I mean, that probably would not go so well, right? right? I mean, they're thinking through all of this, and, and they could have stayed over here wanting but they chose willingness in their relationship. And friends, the difference, the difference between relationships that are vibrant and growing and strong and transforming and alive is the willingness to work. You, you see, you actually gotta grab the rope sometimes. You gotta grab the saw sometimes. And you know what? You gotta actually climb the ladder. You see, so many of us, we, we want relationships that are transparent. To have a relationship that's transparent, you've got to do the work. We want relationships that are authentic. Relationships where, where we feel like we're known. You know how you have a relationship where you're authentic and you feel like you're known? You do the work of knowing yourself. It requires work. We want relationships where forgiveness is wound into the soil of that relationship. You have to do the work of forgiveness. You can't just want it. You have to be willing to fight for it. We want relationships where we feel like we can be vulnerable, be our true selves. 
takes work. It takes work. You have to grab the rope sometimes. You gotta grab the saw. You have to climb the ladder. And the difference between relationships that just want to be transforming and relationships that are transforming is a willingness to work. It's a willingness to work. There has never been a healthy relationship that didn't require work. All relationships that are healthy and transforming require work. You see, we want to find these qualities in our relationships, and I'm here to tell you the only way you will find these qualities in your relationships is if you form them in your relationships. Forming healthy relationships takes work. And some of us here today need to move from wanting to willing when it comes to forming healthy relationships. Do you know what wanting to have a great relationship leaves you with? It leaves you with wanting to have a great relationship. Just wanting to have great relationships will leave you at the end of your life still wanting to have great relationships. Great relationships are built through willingness. And I see this over and over and over again in my own life. I see this in my friendships. I see this with the people that I work with. I see this in my family. I see this with my kids. I see this in my marriage. I see this a few weeks ago. I was having coffee with one of my dearest friends and she was pushing me and she was challenging me and she was making me feel really uncomfortable, i.e. I was feeling really uncomfortable. She wasn't making me feel really uncomfortable because she was challenging me to do something that was gonna require willingness. And every part of me just wanted to stay in the camp of wanting. And believe me, the healthy relationships in my life, I don't always get it right. I have learned more from my mistakes than I have learned from my victories. But I have learned that healthy relationships that you are willing to put the work into are transforming. They are transforming because community isn't found, it's formed. And it gets formed through our willingness to do the work with one another. And this is my prayer for us as a church. This is my prayer for us in the kind of community that we are becoming, that we would form this kind of koinonia, this kind of pouring in and pouring out through our deep willingness to work at our relationships. You know, seven and a half years ago when we started this church, one of our most consistent prayers actually came from this story of Scripture that people would have an experience at Soul City Church where they would leave saying, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. And it wouldn't just be because, you know, their kids had an incredible experience at Soul City Kids. We prayed that that would be true. It wasn't just because they got themselves into a small group and, and they made deep, impactful, close relationships. We prayed that that would be true. It wasn't just because they, they left here on a Sunday and they had experienced just transforming, spirit-filled worship and prayer. We prayed that that would be true. 
It wasn't just because that we hoped that they would see that we are committed to doing the good work of mercy and justice locally and globally. We prayed that that would be true. It wasn't just because they came in here and when one of the lead pastors was giving an amazing sermon and that sermon was life-changing and every time she opened her mouth, (laughs) it just felt like... God was moving in the place. We prayed that all of those things would happen. But what we most prayed is that people, people would become willing, actually willing to live out a transforming relationship with Jesus. And that this city would get turned inside out, upside down, because we actually did it. We actually became willing to live out transforming relationships with Jesus. And I remember at our first anniversary, we didn't have all that much, but I went to uh, Home Depot and I bought a whole bunch of saws for everybody that was a part of what uh, we were doing back then. And we wrote this on a saw. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, Mark 2, 4. And we gave these saws to the people that were a part of what God was doing in and through the church at that time. And you know, this saw sits in my office to this day. And it is a reminder to me that doing the work of the gospel, doing the work of relationships that are transforming, it requires work. It requires sometimes getting up on a ladder and actually cutting a hole in the roof. And a lot of people didn't stay because we gave them a saw at the one-year anniversary. (laughs) But uh, listen, we didn't have that much. But that prayer has not changed. It hasn't changed. And pray for a community of people that when you find yourself in a season, you have found some people that actually climb up a ladder with a rope and a saw and they cut a hole for you to be lowered down to experience Jesus. Because we're all gonna walk in seasons like that, aren't we? We're all gonna experience them. I've walked through some myself. And we need community to do that for us. And that takes work. It takes work, and lots of times we don't get it right. And we have to say, I'm sorry. I missed it. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. I saw that you were walking through a season where you needed to be lowered down to Jesus, and I was too consumed with myself. I was too consumed with wanting somebody to pour a bunch of stuff into me. Will you forgive me? But when we do this work, we find ourselves leaving this place and walking away from our relationships when we spend time with one another saying, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. In fact, I want you to look around this space right now. Look around this room. You know, this is our 13th Sunday that we've been in this room, a little over three months since we moved over here to our Transformation Center. Do you know there's people right now sitting all over this building in overflow? Last week, we had three overflows. We were in a meeting this last week joking if we could turn some bathrooms into overflow spaces, (laughs) right? 
And my hope and my prayer is, is it's because people are experiencing the transforming love of Jesus and they're walking out of this place and they're saying, I've never seen anything like this. Because they've experienced Jesus. And we've always said from the very beginning, we want to be a church that responds to the Spirit of God. That when the Spirit is blowing, we get involved. We move with the Spirit, and the Spirit is blowing so beautifully in and through this church. And so we don't want anyone to come here and not have a seat. So I am excited to tell you, Soul City Church, that on February 25th, we are going to add a third gathering. We will be meeting at 8.30, 10.30, and 12.30 because we don't want anyone to come here and not experience the transforming love of Jesus. And in order for us to do that, it takes some willingness. It takes every one of us saying, I'm willing to pick up my saw and to pick up some rope. And so our host team is actually going to give you an opportunity right now as they pass out a card that says, I'm willing. I'm willing. And we want to give you an opportunity to take what God has given to you Whatever ladder he's given to you, whatever saw he's given to you, whatever rope he's given to you, and to pick it up and to get in the game of willingness. You see, this church needs every single one of us to help form it, to help build it, to help create it. Because at some point, somebody did that for you. Somebody did that for you. Somebody said, I'm, I'm willing to make sure that I'll stand here at the door. I'm willing to, to pour a cup of coffee, right? To hold a baby. To put on a green vest. To make sure that people know where to park so they don't get a ticket. It takes willingness. And, and most of us would probably say, I really want to be a part of a great church. Me too. Me too. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to be a part of building this church? See, we need every single one of us to get into the game of serving. We need every single one of us that is willing to participate in the building of this church, not just the attending of it. And specifically, we need people that are willing to say, I, I want to help make a first impression around here. I want to join our, our next team, and I, I want to be a part of our cafe team, or, or I, I want one of those cool green vests. I, I want to be on our parking team, or, or I want to make sure that uh, you know, people are, are having a good first experience when they come here. We need people that are willing to get involved in our operations team. People that are willing to say, I'll make sure that there's a Bible under the seat. I'll make sure that there's a pen with that Bible. I'll make sure that that, that happens. We need people that say, you know, I'm willing to be a part of what creatively happens here. Do you know that right now, a volunteer is producing this service? Do you know right now, a volunteer is making sure that these slides come up? Do you know that every single one of the people that led us in worship is a volunteer we need people that are willing to say, I'll get involved in Soul City Kids. I'll get involved in students. In fact, there's probably many of you that walked through a really hard season when you were in middle school or high school. One of the greatest gifts you can give is to give back now. And, and the question that we want to ask you is, 
are you willing to create a community where people say, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. In fact, there's a pen tucked inside of that Bible that you have with you. And I want to give you a moment right now to actually fill your name out, put your phone number, your email, right now. Because most of us are going to actually go home saying, I really want to live a life of service. I, I really want to, to be a person that serves. But I want to give you an opportunity to apply willingness to your life right now. Right in this moment to say, I'm willing. I'm willing. I, I might not be able to be there every single week, but I'm willing when I'm here. I'm willing to be a part of it. I, I'm willing to be a part of what God is doing here. I, I've got some rope. I, I, I've got a saw. It doesn't work so well, but I'm, I'm willing to use that. I got myself a ladder. I'm willing to be a part of what God is building in and through this church. And I want to say to you today, will you help us cut some holes in the roof so more and more people can experience the transforming love of Jesus? And as you fill out this card in a moment, um, we're going to give you an opportunity to actually give it right back to apply your willingness in the moment. A number of years ago, um, I was sharing this story found in Mark 2. And a person um, that heard me uh, share the story um, found my address and found where I lived and sent me this chainsaw in the mail. And just sent a little note that said, May you always be the kind of person that cuts holes in the roof. You know, for about, I don't even know how many years, it's got to be about 15 years now that I've been carrying around this little chainsaw in my bag. Because, you know, when I get to the end of my life, and if there's anybody saying to me, do you have any regrets? Do you have any regrets? I don't want to say. I had so many opportunities to build and to become a part of what God was doing in and through his kingdom. And I wished I would have said yes. See, I, I, don't, I don't want to get to the end of my life. Whenever that comes, I want to be a person of willingness. So I carry around this little chainsaw in my bag to remind me that I'm called to be a person that cuts holes in the roof. I am called to be a person that calls other people to grab their saws, to grab their ropes, to find where the ladder is at, at the neighbor's house, down the street, and to bring all of those things together so that we can climb up to the roof and make sure that there is never anyone that can't hear about the transforming love of Jesus. And so that's why I carry around an actual saw in my back. Soul City, I want us to start putting these in our bags. You might not be able to get on the bus or the plane or the CTA. But don't you long to be a part of a community where people say, we've never seen anything like that? I was at a store yesterday and I was checking out, and 
they email the receipt instead of print it. And so, you know, the lady said, what's your email? I gave her my email. It says, you know, at the end of my name, soulcitychurch.com. She goes, oh, you go to that church? I said, I do. She goes, everybody that works here talks about that church. They talk about that place. I said, what do they say? And we had this lovely exchange, and she told me about you. She told me about your kindness, your warmth, your generosity, how you're part of what God is doing in and through this city. I said, well, if you ever want to come, I'm usually down front, (laughs) and I would love to sit with you. I'd love to be a part of your first experience here. Ever since we started as a church, it's always been somebody's first Sunday. It's somebody's right now. And my question is, are you willing to cut a hole in the roof so that more and more people can experience the transforming love of Jesus? So in a moment, we're going to move into a time of worship, time of giving, Giving is such a beautiful way for us to say, I'm going to be a person that is willing. We give three different ways around here. Many of us love to give in the gathering uh, as the buckets pass in a moment. Lots of us love to give online so that we can be consistent. And then there's also an opportunity for you to text and to give. But the other thing that I want to ask you to do when the bucket passes you is I want you to take your willingness card and I want you to put it inside there to say, I am willing. I'm willing to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church. So I'd love to invite you to pray with me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all that you are doing in and through this church. Thank you for all the ways that you are moving. Thank you for all of the ways in which the Spirit is inviting people to come and be a part of your transforming love. And Jesus, our prayer, our deepest prayer is that people would encounter you and that you would do what only you can do. You would transform and you would heal and you would make right. You would restore. You would give purpose. You would cast vision into their lives. Jesus, only you can do that, but we want to play our part. We want to play our part. We want to grab our saws and we want to grab our rope and we want to grab our ladder and we want to be the kind of people that are willing to go to the top of the roof and lower people down so that they can experience the transforming love of Jesus. So God, would you make this a community that is willing? Would you make us a community that is willing to pour ourselves out? We love you. We thank you for the unending and reckless love of Jesus that has changed our lives. In whose name we pray, amen.